Welcome to the Ultimate Fighting Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Henson. So, we just had UFC Fight Night 166, I believe. It was UFC Fight Night Rally. And Bellator 242... Bellator 238 the other day. Some really good fights this weekend. And we've got lots of news topics this week, so it's going to be a heavy-hitting episode this week. There were some really good fights on the UFC fight card. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's start out with the prelims. I do not have the piece of paper in front of me that has who I won. Uh, But let's go ahead and jump into it. We start out the prelims with a featherweight bout between Herbert Burns and Nate Landwehr. Herbert Burns wins it round one, two minutes, 43 seconds, with a TKO. It was beautiful, too. Then we go into a bantamweight bout between Brett Johns and Tony Gravely. Johns won in the third round, 2 minutes, 53 seconds, with a submission victory. Then we have a Wyndham Bantamweight bout, which went all three rounds, and Sarah McMahon won a judge's decision against Lena Landsberg. Then we have a Bantamweight bout between Montel Jackson and Felipe Colores. Montel Jackson won a judge's decision. Then we have a women's flyweight bout. Justin Keish and Lucy Putalova. Justin Keish won with a, a judge's decision. Then we have another decision victory between... Featherweights, Arnold Allen and Nick Lentz. And we have another decision with a middleweight bout between Bevron Lewis and Daquan Townsend. The Allen-Lentz fight was pretty good. I haven't seen all of the prelim fights yet, but I saw some highlights that Allen-Lentz fight was pretty good. Uh, and... The Burns Landweir was good. And then a few of the others I haven't quite seen yet. So from there we go into the main card. From there we go into the main card. We start out with a light heavyweight bout with Darko Stozik and Jamal Hill. So the, this is Jamal Hill's UFC debut. He was actually on Dana White. Uh, the contender series and he came into this fight un- uh, undefeated 6 and 0 it was a really good fight uh, darko has some serious power the um jamal hill had some, some problems with keeping his hands up like at his face he'd keep them down just a little bit lower uh, to where it was a little bit harder to block those those heavy fists uh, of stozik but, even with that, it was still a phenomenal fight. It was still really good. Jamal Hill was coming in with some serious power. Stozik was going, uh, 
was trying to get takedowns throughout the fight. He got a, a, a couple of them. Hill stuffed a few takedowns. I gave the first round to Hill, uh, the second round to Hill. I, I, I actually um, gave all three rounds to Hill. I did see the last round going to Stozik. Stozik was more in, in the last round. And then the second round was very dominant for Hill. And for, for a while throughout that second round, I thought it could end up being a 10-8. But then towards that last minute, Stozik started getting back into the fight more. And I went back towards like giving Hill a 10-9 instead of a 10-8. So overall, I had the fight 30-27 for Hill. The judges actually scored it 29-27 for all three of them. And so, for them, they gave that second round a 10-8 and that third round to, to Stozik as well. It was a really good fight, though, overall. And then from there, we go to a women's strawweight bout between Hannah Cyphers and Angela Hill. And, and this was a phenomenal fight as well. These two girls went at it. So... Um, they were just going at it pr pr pretty good. And then in the second round, Hill gets a, a sweep takedown. And then she transitions into half guard. And then from there, gets her leg over and transitions into full mount. Then does some really, really nasty ground and pound. Some really hard elbow strikes. Uh, um, she manages to... to move forward on top of ciphers more so that way she's more on top of ciphers uh, upper abdomen and so that way ciphers has a harder time getting her off and transitioning out of it so he'll manage it to really be kind of in a really good full mountain and not able to get off of there and just kept going at it some seriously seriously hard ground and pound uh, I think the overkill name is probably right with just how hard she hits and how brutal it was. The one thing I didn't understand was the booze here from the crowd, unless I'm mistaken. And maybe Cyphers was from somewhere around Raleigh, but it was a good fight. Like, this did not deserve booze by any means of, of it. Like, I, I did not understand it. So maybe maybe Cyphers was from somewhere around there, but if she wasn't, you know, even if she was, like this fight did not deserve booze. I'd kind of get it, you know, hometown hero and whatnot. So, but yeah, it was a good fight. And then we go to a flyweight bout with number twelve Alex Perez and number eleven Jordan Espinoza. So. Jordan Espinosa actually has a 4-inch reach advantage. It didn't do him a whole lot of good during this uh, fight. Perez, uh, they were standing for a, for a little bit into the first round, and then Perez managed to get a takedown near the cage. And you could just see Perez hunting for an arm triangle. But his what was weird is, so he, was, he had Jordan Espinosa's right arm, and he was trying to get that right arm into an arm triangle. But his legs were actually trapped with um, Espinosa's left, over on Espinosa's left side. So this isn't normally 
how you achieve an arm triangle. You know, you want the legs on the same side of the person's body as the arm that you're trying to get into the tri triangle. But uh, he actually managed after a while and struggling for a while to put enough pressure on Espinoza to really get a, a blood choke out of the arm triangle as he pressured his, his shoulder into Espinoza's into Espinoza. And you could see Espinoza's veins kind of just get tight and you see his face, um, you know, kind of like when someone gets irritated or really trying to, to breathe and lack uh, of air. And so, yeah, you could see that in the, the final few seconds of the fight. And then you could also see Espinosa as he was uh, trying to transition um, Alex's legs. So that way the pressure was released and he was trying to push against Alex's legs. And then you just see Espinosa's leg just fall down and then Mergliotto, you know, quickly uh, split him up. So, yeah, you could you could see the finish happen. It was very crazy because one minute you're just watching and he's going for an arm triangle then all of a sudden he's got a blood uh man just get a blood choke from it so it was really nice good job from alex perez round one two minutes 33 seconds submission and then from there we go into the co-main event now this uh this was a phenomenal fight. This was Michael Kiss. So th this is a welterweight bout between number five, Rafael dos Anjos, and unranked Michael Maverick Kiesa. So Michael Kiesa, this is his third fight since moving up to welterweight. He uh he's been on a three fight win streak at welterweight, beating Carlos Condit and Diego Sanchez, and is now fighting RDA. He's kind of taking out, you know, the big names here in the division. I mean, like those veterans who have been around a while. Now, Kiesa looks huge at welterweight. And he's, you know, he looked pretty huge against Sanchez, too. And he just looks so dominant with his ground game and his wrestling. And he goes right into it. And, and RDA, you know, does a Decent job throughout the fight, but there are points in time where you see Kiesa just kind of winning it and, and being victorious and, and super one-sided. And Kiesa going for, um, he was eyeing a rear naked choke the majority of the fight. And then they had a good scramble on the ground. Um, I believe it was in the the second round. Yeah, in the, in the second round they had a good scramble where they... We're going back and forth between who was looking for a submission at a specific time and who wasn't. RDA was looking for a, a heel hook at one point, and Kiesa was looking for a Kimura at one point, and an arm bar at another point. And they were really looking for a lot of things. They had some stand up. Kiesa got a few takedowns. RDA stuffed a few takedowns. It was a really uh, good fight overall. Kiesa just managed to be more active, uh, wrestle a lot more, be more dominant in the grappling. I give the, the second round to RDA, and then rounds one and three to uh, Kiesa. The judges scored it 30-27, 29-28, 29-28 for Mike, Michael Kiesa. 
It's a really good fight. Kiesa's looking really, really good at welterweight. I think it's a really good fit for Kiesa. He should definitely be in the top 10 after this fight. RDA was ranked number 5. He's on a 3-fight win streak. And he's done phenomenal performances in these fights. Now, after he afterwards in the post-fight interview, it was, he kept it very short. Just gave one simple answer. He said, hey, I just want to keep the, the interview short. Sorry for keep, uh, cutting you off, but Colby Covington, let's fight in July. And just kind of left. And... Uh, might be a, some some could say it's a bit of a stretch just because he's currently unranked, but I mean he just beat beat the number five RDA, so I mean asking for somebody ranked one to four at this point is not a bad bad thought process, and a lot of the top ten is kind of taken up and, and scheduled in fights. You know, you got Leon and. Now I'm thinking, yeah, you got Leon and Woodley ske uh, scheduled to fight, and then who's, oh yeah, Masvidal should be fighting Usman, so who, you know, Colby against Kiesa at this point would be a really good fight, especially because uh, Colby beat RDA a year ago, or two years ago, so, you know, I think I think it'd be a decent fight. Um, there's a lot of guys in the top 10 I think could be some good fights with Kiesa, and Kiesa could be some good fights for as well. Now, from there we go into the main event, with which is a heavyweight bout with number three, Curtis Razorblades, and number four, JDS, Junior Dos Santos. So this was a really good fight. Uh, you see Blades looking for the takedown a lot, uh, a, a few times, but JDS has such phenomenal takedown defense, and he sprawls and, and defends it most uh, almost every time. If I recall, I think he defended it every time. There was an accidental groin shot from Blades. He, you know, he noticed it immediately, kind of just uh, let, I think it was Big Dan know, like, hey, hey, you know, I, I didn't mean to, I'm backing up, you know, give him some space they took a few seconds and they got back into it and uh they and it, they went from there it was pretty good the ending connection was a right jab followed by multiple knees and then some, some uh right hooks as jds kind of bent down from it it was really good jds went in for an uppercut but blades just saw it uh, you know he saw JDS coming in for it and went with a right jab that just connected perfectly on the chin and rocked JDS and then landed several, several, uh, like three or four just heavy, heavy knees to JDS and JDS kind of doubled over as uh, Blades landed several more strikes and just kept going with this quick paced onslaught until the fight was called. So it was a standing TKO, one minute, six seconds into the second round for uh, Curtis Blades' victory. So this kind of uh, creates a problem, not only for Blades, but for the heavyweight division in general. Because now we have three guys who, who can make an argument for, you know, for a title shot. And DC acknowledged this in the, the post-fight like few minutes where they talked about it 
because DC definitely has a huge argument and stake in a title shot. He's the former champion. He beat Stipe. He knocked, you know, he knocked Stipe out. And so they're both 1-1. And DC's only lost to two guys, Stipe and Jones. So he's he was dominant at light heavyweight and heavyweight before the Stipe fight. And he had a title defense at heavyweight also. And then you got Francis Naganu, who's on a win streak as well. And then you have Blades, who's on a three-fight win streak since his loss to Naganu. Blades is, only has two losses on his record, which are to Francis Naganu. Blades would have gotten a title shot last year if Lewis didn't like manage to get blown up and the fans essentially got Lewis a title shot. I'm nothing against against Lewis, but Lewis was un, uh, ranked just below Blades before they fought. And Blades' fight was definitely more exciting than Lewis's uh, fight and definitely more dominant than Lewis's fight at that point last year. So, you know, you kind of have these three guys who all could have an argument for the title, but nothing kind of happening there right now. And it's always so slow in the heavyweight div division on what happens. But hopefully we get somebody in there soon. We'll talk more about that here a little bit later, probably. I don't have notes on that handy. But let's go ahead. Hey, what you know? First thing on our notes is the DC Stipe rematch. So there, there's some conversation about Stipe uh, making DC wait like DC made Stipe wait. So in a way, it is a similar situation. DC did take one fight against Derek Lewis, and a lot of people like to, now that that fight is in the past, a lot of people like to attribute that to just like a gimme fight. And at the time, DC took that fight on short notice, and Stipe didn't want to take a fight on short notice against DC. So they went with DC versus Lewis, and Lewis was on a win, uh, had just won, and the fans were loving him at the time and wanted, you know, they wanted that fight. And then after the fight happened, it was like, oh, well, yeah, we kind of knew that was going to happen. You know, we kind of really, because everybody was saying, oh, yeah, go get him, Lewis. But uh, DC had taken a had defended the title and then was out for a while with some injuries and recovering from the those injuries and surgeries and so that's the reason that the fight was postponed which kind of correlates with what's happening now i mean stipe's out right now with an eye injury and if you're out with an injury i get it you know that that's understandable your fighters you're going to get injured occasional from time to time and yeah, when you're the champ and you're out for an injury, that makes sense. And that's not, it's not like you're out just because you're, you're refusing to fight. Unlike some other people who made millions. But. So in this situation, it does make sense. But people saying, oh yeah, Stipe, make DC wait just because he made you wait. No, you know, if you're injured, then yeah, take your time, get recovered, get well, get back into the gym and then defend your belt. But doing it just because DC made you wait is ridiculous, especially when DC made you, you know, waited because he was also recovering from an injury and surgery. 
So that argument kind of just sounds ridiculous when people say it like that. It's like you guys are getting some mixed up version of the story. So let's go ahead and talk about some injuries and fight announcements real quick. So Macy Barber did suffer a complete ACL tear against her Roxanne Monteferi fight, which is which is crazy because she continued to fight on that leg. And I went I've seen more videos since then of it where I could hear you know, you can hear the volume and she tells the 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 doctor like no no I'm good she tells her corner I'm good I'm good you know my leg's fine let's fight let's do this which is crazy and, and the uh doctor was just like oh yeah she's you know she's got a partial tear a partial ACL tear she's fine what do you mean she's fine she's got a partial ACL tear she's not fine there she was not fine I know she was saying she was fine but she was not fine like you could see it in her stance when the third round started she was not fine Typically, you don't you don't have all your weight on your lead leg as a fighter because you can't just pick it up to one defend to take the pressure away from those leg kicks. And also, if somebody goes in for a takedown, your front leg, yeah, you're done. Like all your weight's there when they push you back. There's nothing holding you up there at that point, and which. By the way, she got taken down. And also, if you get your front leg kind of swept up, then you're going down. So a lot of times you don't keep your weight on your front leg in a fighting stance. Also, definitely not the way she had her weight. Because you could see her bending her, her back leg. And you don't want to do that in a, a fight. So to say she was fine is kind of crazy. But, yeah, uh, she, you know... A crazy warrior for sure to to keep fighting with a complete tear of your ACL. And we've seen some crazy things uh, as far as ACLs and PCLs and meniscus and stuff in the last year. And some crazy things fighters will do. Uh, Paige Van Zant is out of her UFC fight due to injuring her arm again for the third time. She's eyeing her return in May. She was supposed to fight Randa Marcos, but she's getting replaced by Amanda Rebus. So that'll actually be a good fight as well. And then Rachel Ostovich is out of her UFC Auckland fight against Shayna Dobson. And she's being replaced by Priscilla Cachiera. There's no word on why Rachel Ostovich is out. Uh, nothing confirmed yet. And then Jeremy Stevens and Calvin Cater is being rescheduled for UFC 249. And then I like this fight announcement. Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian for UFC 248. That's going to be a good fight. I like that one and the Jeremy Stevens versus versus Calvin Cater for sure those are going to be two wars like those are some good fights right there cannot wait for those now we're going to do a little bit more talk about Connor so 
Uh, well, Connor and Cerrone and Stephen A. Smith. So, there's been a lot of talk about Stephen A. Smith and the MMA community as of recently. A lot of people kind of going against him and stuff. I'm be honest, I didn't hear the majority of his, his initial uh, his initial analysis of the Cowboy and Connor fight. Uh, from the sounds of what he said, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it, but I didn't hear it nonetheless. I did see a quote saying from that he said that Cerrone had quit. He had essentially quit the fight, which in a way is crazy because, you know, when you get rocked or knocked out or you're in a fight, and, you know, you get hit with a solid strike like that and you're rocked and you know, you're just backing up. That's not the same thing as quitting. You know, you're doing everything you can in a fight to win. But then strikes like that happen to where you just, there's nothing else you can do. And you're just done for at that point. It's not the same thing as quitting. Now, somehow Smith managed to make some war against him and Rogan. Which... Is somewhat amusing because I, I had actually heard Rogan's comments about Smith and they weren't like too bad. I mean, he's he's just saying, you know, everybody's got a specialty. I mean, we don't see Joe Rogan talking about basketball because that's not Joe's specialty. You know, Joe's specialty is MMA. He's been doing MMA analysis, commentary fighting in them and uh martial arts for i don't even know how long like a crazy amount of time you know this is his specialty he's not going to go over to basketball and you know act like it's his specialty so that that's all joe's saying is you know there's a specialty you have and to take people from a certain specialty and move them over into a different one especially when there's a fight as you know I hate to say it, but quote-unquote, as big as Connor and Cowboy. I say that because in my world, it wasn't a huge fight, but it made a lot of money for the UFC. There's a lot of eyes on the UFC because of this fight. When you've got a lot of eyes on the fight because of, because of, you know, of who's in it, then you want to have your top-of-the-notch analysis, your top-of-the-notch guys talking about the fight giving you analysis of the fight. You know, you want to have your Dominique Cruises up there. You want to have your DCs up there. Your Anthony Smiths. Your Chill Sonnens. You know, you want to have your guys who have been doing this for, you know, ten, 5 to 10 to 15 years. Who, this is what they do. This is their specialty. And I know ESPN keeps bringing it. ESPN and UFC keep bringing in these other guys. And trying to make it, you know, like, hey, we're on ESPN now. This is how we do things here. Like, I get that, but I don't think it's that great for it. Like, there's some things, and I don't want to sit here and and trash talk all, all a bunch of different people. But there's some things, I, as far as with the ESPN deal and how they're changing the product and bringing in certain voices and stuff... There's certain things about the, this aspect I don't like as far as UFC. You know, UFC's not football. UFC's not basketball. It's a different sport. 
it's a different thing entirely and i don't i don't like the, there's certain things i just don't like as that that we're doing now now with that um also with the majority of stephen a smith's uh like four minute video rebuttal okay i i, I get most of it you know i kind of agree with most of it but this isn't Cerrone's first pay-per-view match. It might be his first pay-per-view headliner. I'd have to like really check into that. Because there was once upon a time. Before like three or four years ago. Where non-title fights did get to headline pay-per-views. It was a rarity. But it's definitely a rarity now. Which is the creation of the dumb interim titles. So, uh, with most of that, yeah, I agree with it, but Cerrone's, it wasn't Cerrone's first pay-per-view match. Maybe his first pay-per-view main event, but I don't know about that either. So, Connor's rankings. He, he went up in the lightweight rankings. He went up from number four, just below Ke uh, Gaethje, to number three, and he went up from... If I recall correctly, number 13 to number 11 and the pound for pound. Now, neither of these I, I agree with. Uh, let's focus on the pound for pound for a minute. For quite a while, Connor shouldn't have been on the pound for pound rankings. He really should have fallen off the pound for pound rankings a long time ago. There's a lot of fighters who are far more active, far more dominant, far more uh, on a far more of a win streak and have just been grinding to to deserve to earn a spot on this pound for pound list and, and we're making it not we're making it mean less because we're keeping people like connor on there uh, and it doesn't make sense you know now it makes more sense than connor passing gaichi and the lightweight rankings for a few reasons one, Connor's on a one-fight win streak. Connor just beat the guy that Gaethje just beat as well. Gaethje also beat two guys prior to that. And pretty good fashion as well. Like, Gaethje earned that spot at number three, for sure. He for sure earned that spot at number three. Like, even hypothetically, if this fight was at lightweight and... Connor still beat Cowboy. Gaethje still deserves the number three spot. Now, this fight was not at lightweight. This fight was at welterweight. Can we stop for a minute? Can we, for one minute, can we stop pretending like this fight was at lightweight? It wasn't at lightweight. When this fight happened, nowhere up on those rankings up on the posters up on the uh tail of the tape did it say number four and number five you know why because this was a welterweight fight it was a welterweight fight with two guys who are unranked at welterweight it was not a lightweight fight it was not at 155 pounds it was a 170 pound fight. Look, if this was a 155 pound fight, some states, uh, if I recall, I believe it was a, uh, yeah, Nevada, wouldn't 
have allowed this fight to happen because definitely y'all miss weight if it was a 155 pound fight. It wasn't 155 pounds. Stop saying it was 155. It was 170. It doesn't do anything for getting you any closer to a title shot at Khabib. You know, this is the same misconception that got Connor a title shot at lightweight in the first place. He hadn't fought at lightweight whenever he got the lightweight title shot. He still only has one win at lightweight. And somehow he passed over Gaethje in the rankings. It doesn't make sense. Can we just have a little bit of sense in the rankings, please? Also, have Connor and Gaethje fight. Have it at 155, though, because if you have it at 170, it's not a 155-pound fight. It doesn't make sense at 170, and it's not going to determine who deserves a title fight between them against Khabib, because it's at 170 at that point. Have it at 155. If you want to not cut weight and you want to fight at 170, then move up to welterweight. Go get ranked at welterweight. I'm sure Dana will put you in at number three. Like, come on here. Like, they're different divisions. We have different divisions for a reason. Otherwise, they'd all be the same division. Like, just just combine them at that point. You know, take the, like, couple hundred fighters you have in those two divisions, combine them, and have, like, a top 40 or something. Like, it doesn't make sense. They're two different divisions. Like, there, there is no ands or ifs about this. They're two different divisions. Now, a lot of people are saying Connor introduced the concept of not doing heavy weight cuts. This is dumb. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. Like, okay, to say Connor, there's a lot of things people are saying from this last fight, and they're dumb. Like, there are so many things you could say about Connor. That are good points. Like Connor beat Aldo in 13 seconds. He knocked out Aldo. He beat Cowboy. You know, he beat Eddie. Like, there's a whole slew of a people that Connor beat that you could go with. A whole slew uh, of knockout stacks, uh, of names you could go with. But to say Connor introduced not doing heavy weight cuts is stupid. Like, first off, Connor's been back like a month. Yeah, he went up to welterweight. Guess what? How many people in the last year stopped cutting weight and went up a division? Like, you got Weidman who went up. You got Till who's going up, who for sure needed to go up. Yoel should go up. But he hasn't gone up. You got Michael Chiesa, who literally, he went up to welterweight. He has... Three fights now at welterweight. Are we just going to pretend like he didn't have three fights at welterweight now? You got Kevin Lee who went up. And then went back down. So he, he's not a perfect example. But, you know, Michael Kies is a, perf- uh, a perfect example at this. You know, he's doing way better at welterweight. No offense, Kies, but, you know, you're doing better at welterweight because you're not, you're not focusing on this weight cut. He... Weight, he weighed 185 around 185 during his fight the other day. That's 15, you know, he that's middleweight right there. 
and he was fighting at lightweight before. That's 30 pounds difference. That is a heavy weight cut. And you're going to tell me Connor introduced the concept of not doing heavy weight cuts? You have no idea how ridiculous you sound whenever you say comments like this. Like, no, don't say stuff like that. Ask some questions if you want to, but stuff like that is ridiculous. And shoulder strikes. Like, yes, Connor used it in an effective way, but shoulder strikes have been around for a long time. John Jones has been doing shoulder strikes for a long time, effectively in the clinch as well. The, the major difference is the distance and how much Connor pushed off from the ground and used, drove his shoulder into Cowboy. By the way, it was four. I'm pretty sure it was four. Everybody keeps saying three. I'm pretty sure it was four. Because one day it was four, then the next day it's three shoulder strikes. Pretty sure it was four. Jones has been doing shoulder strikes for years in the clinch. And Jones has been around a lot longer than Connor has in fighting. And Jones deserves that respect of doing shoulder strikes. It was part of his arsenal. It was part of how Jones did such a phenomenal job job in his fights. You know, in his variety of, of his array of strikes in the clinch. And yeah, there's a slight difference between Jones' shoulder strikes and the shoulder strikes Connor did the other day. It was ma mainly just a stance difference and how you can uh, utilize that to apply more pressure and more power. But Connor didn't introduce heavy, not doing heavy weight cuts or shoulder strikes. Those are ridiculous concepts. Like, there's so many other things you can use as a Connor fan to give credit to Connor. Use those. Don't use crazy concepts like this. Yeah, those were really good shoulder strikes by Connor. I'll give him that, but he's not the first person to do shoulder strike. Now, speaking of Jones, the John Jones versus Don, uh, Dominic Reyes promo that that kept they did a few different promos to, uh, throughout the the UFC Fight Night rally. Those looked phenomenal. Oh my gosh, do those. Like, those just hype you up so much. Like, those looked great. Those knockouts by Reyes looked amazing. And jo the Jones stuff, just seeing those highlight clips is always super insane. Especially when you think of it. Like, Reyes is pretty young now. Jones was pretty young whenever he got, uh, when he was coming up. And it's crazy to think about now. Jones is the, the veteran. And he's, you know, these are the newcomers. But Reyes is, you know, he's knocking guys out also. He's on that, like, rise that Jones, he's almost on that rise that Jones started out on. Not quite to the same equivalent, but, you know, he's undefeated coming into this title shot. He's got knockout power. You know, he, he, there's some definitely some things in his arsenal from it that we could see from his last couple fights that are kind of questionable on whether or not uh he can you know manage to keep those and and fight strategically with jones in the clinch and wrestle because jones can destroy people in those easily also both these guys are six foot four like it's 
You know, it's not too often we see John Jones fight somebody that is the same height as Jones or around the same height as Jones. Like, I know Gus was one of them. I feel like Smith is like 6'1", 6'2". He's, he's pretty tall. You know, it's not too often we see Jones have a, a an opponent that is that close in height to him. Now, there was one question, you know, we're going to... Uh, before we jump into some Bellator talk, too, I'm going to kind of talk about a, a little funny thing that I thought about. Because Uriah Faber was at, you know, out there at the fight and um, rally. And they popped up with the little stat of UFC Hall of Famer modern era wing. What happens in, you know, like 25, 50 years when, you know, all of a sudden that's not modern anymore? Do they just take you and move you to a different wing? Or, I know this is all hypothetical because I don't, pretty sure there's not like a physical Hall of Fame, but like, they just say, oh, yeah, no, 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 Faber's over here in this wing now instead of the modern era, because it's no longer the modern era at that point. I I just kind of started questioning that during the fights. Nothing really hugely relevant there. (laughs) But there are a couple of Bellator fights I want to talk about. Sergio Pettis had his Bellator debut. Ooh, he looked amazing in his debut. That was one nasty submission. Like, man, you're going to break a guy's neck like that? That was rough. And then, we for the main event over at Bellator this last week, it was a women's flyweight bout with Julia Budd against Cyborg. Julia Budd was on a 13-fight win streak. She's been defending the, the I said flyweight, the featherweight. She was defending the women's featherweight title for three years over there. This is Chris Cyborg coming in to try and get her fourth featherweight title and her, her fourth organization. And she did a fantastic job she looked amazing during this fight she actually almost finished it in the uh, third round but the buzzer kind of saved uh bud for the fourth because she was on top of bud and just ground and pounding but there was only a few seconds left and then in the fourth there was a nasty body shot in a uh a and a succession of strikes that Cyborg had thrown because she threw a couple of hooks and then she threw a body shot and landed a couple more hooks and then uh, Bud kind of fell from the body shot. You could just see her just fall over. Uh, really nice win for Cyborg. Congratulations to Cyborg. You know, really good fight for her. She's the she's had the featherweight title. And Strikeforce, Bellator, Invicta, and in UFC. So congrats to her. Oh yeah, um, one other thing. The Corey Sandhagen fight, whoo, that one was so good. Like it happened so fast, you almost missed it. It was uh, 0.00 seconds. Fastest fight now in the UFC history. I want my Corey Sandhagen fight back. <laughs> like, that was messed up. One, it was messed up for, for 
to Corey because, yeah, he had a fight scheduled and then you scheduled his opponent for another fight. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll still fight you. Um, sure you will. What now? I knew that was going to be a bad, bad deal for Corey. I feel real bad for the guy. You know, Corey's a top, uh, a, a good contender there in the division. And yeah, he, he he's a top prospect. And he's coming up and he's looking for a good opponent to take out to, to earn a title shot and lost his opponent. It's kind of, kind of sucks for him. It does suck for him. Feel bad for the guy. Uh, can't wait to see him fight again though soon. So next week, today's the 26th, okay. Um, next week is February 2nd, there's, yeah, yeah, next week is, uh, next Saturday is February 2nd, and, hold on, I've, yeah, no, next Sunday is February 2nd, and there. As far as I see, there are no fights next weekend. So, enjoy your weekends. Um, we'll still be here. We'll do a news episode, and then we'll talk about UFC 247. Because we're already going to be back into the pay-per-views. Like, we're going to be talking about Jones versus Reyes and Valentina versus Chukagian. So, tune in next Sunday or Monday, really. I know I've been kind of slightly behind on releasing these lately. Sorry about that, everybody. But tune in next week and listen to some news and listen to us talk about the Jones-Reyes fight. Oh, and go to Twitter at UFP2019 to follow us there and see all of our retweets and opinions on there and news. And you can follow us at ufp ultimate dash fighting dash podcasts on facebook and i'm working on getting kind of a scorecard set up to where i can put that on on facebook and we can kind of do like a competition on facebook just a friendly competition of how many points everybody gets based off of their picks and stuff so hopefully i'll have that set up soon to where i can get those ready for the fight cards and get those out for the fight cards and then you can follow, uh, like, subscribe, leave a rating, all that good stuff. It's free to subscribe on a Apple, um, Spotify, Google, Podcast One, all your major podcast platforms. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'll talk to you all next week.